0: Alright, alright, alright. Day 165. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. Alright, so this is the last day of Second Chronicles um, and the last episode. And we're introduced here at the beginning of this um of this episode in this chapters with uh, a guy named Manasseh King Manasseh of Judah he's the son of Hezekiah he comes behind him and basically he uh, messes up everything his father did right so um, I used to run track in elementary and middle school and I was just okay but one of the things that I realized is that I could not control what the next person did in a relay race right so I ran the relay and I couldn't control what they did I just had to faithfully hand off the baton right? But the tricky part is um, that if they don't do their job, it causes all of us, right, to lose, right? And what Manasseh does is similar to taking the baton in a relay race and not just running slow, but running in the opposite direction, right? So the people of God in this time, in the time of Manasseh, digress. They have this major, major moral relapse, moral and spiritual relapse. And so um, the text is going to actually bring up that and this time, they were worse than the Canaanites, right? Manasseh was worse than the Canaanites that the Lord had initially dispossessed. So the text is going to show us that, no, no, like God is impartial, right? So so, so they were worse than them. And so they would be dispossessed as well, right? They would be taken into exile. And so in this text, as the king goes, the people goes, right? So the people, so Manasseh's wilding, the people going wild out, right? We keep seeing it happen. And so he gets taken to Assyria, right? He gets taken to Assyria. But something interesting that the chronicler says, he says, he he's in Assyria, he gets taken off, and then he there he repents. He he humbles himself. He he recognizes who Yahweh really is. He recognizes that Yahweh is God. And his life is changed from there. So much so that he comes back and and, and does a mini reform. He's he's back building altars, right? He's 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 back um removing foreign gods. He's he's doing the whole thing. And it's amazing because if we if we remember um kings, right? If we remember two kings, you no know, no two kings said he was the worst king (laughs) he was the worst king in the history of israel and judah he was the worst one right he was bad bad and here like the chronicler is going to tell us positive things that actually happened in his life things that we didn't hear in two kings what's the point why would he do that fam the chronicler wanted us to know and the og audience the original audience to know that as long as you still have breath in your lungs bro There is no point of no return, right? There is no point of no return. You can't get too far away from home where where you can't come back home, right? Repentance, fam, repentance. No matter how far you are from God, repentance will always lead to restoration in God's economy. The, The humility to repent and acknowledge and really have true biblical contrition for your sin and make right wrongs, God always accepts that. He never turns his back on that person, and I think the chronicler wanted us to know that because he pointed, like he went to the worst king and showed what happened when even he repented. And so, twelve to seventeen, man, of, of this chapter is going to speak of the way he humbled himself, the way he sought the Lord, and how he prayed, fam. Like major themes for the chronicler we've been talking about for these last few episodes, and God like desires these things right and he wanted this the the author he wanted this to be the ethos and the piety of their community right and i think god will want the same thing for us today chapter 34 my man josiah josiah right josiah comes and um we mentioned this in two kings but by all accounts he's a stud right he he is probably the best king (laughs) we've had since david right and solomon for a (laughs) time um But what's interesting is the chronicler has three favorite kings i remember i I said this before jehoshaphat hezekiah and josiah right josiah is this bright spot in a ton of darkness and in many ways he was comparable to david right and so what happens here we have the same story that we find in two kings where you know um basically you don't find something that isn't lost (laughs) so hilkiah the priest finds the torah or or um what many scholars will say the book is the book of deuteronomy in the temple and Once again, the Bible was an archaeological artifact in his time so much so that they had to find it and it was lost. Right. And so Josiah hears the words of the covenant and he's like, oh, snap, it's a wrap for us. Right. God's wrath is about his judgment is about to come on us as a people. He's going to fulfill all those curses from Deuteronomy chapter 28 and they're going to be poured out. And so he hears that, but he doesn't let that stop him from bringing this religious reform among God's people. right. He removes the pagan coats from Jerusalem, Judah and Israel. He he repairs the temple and in discovering uh, the book of the law, he he has this covenant renewal ceremony, right, where the people renew the covenant to obey the words of Yahweh. And his reign is spoken of in 34 and 35. And similar to Hezekiah, he's going to lead the Israelites to have a Passover. Right to have another festival, another feast. All right, and the text mentions that this is the greatest Passover since Samuel, fam, since Samuel. Right, now look, just, just a little biblical, um, chronology here. Right, like so, that it's been said that um, Solomon's kingdom was in the nine hundreds. Right, so um, you have David before that, and then you have um, Samuel in the life of David, and so. You have here hundreds. It's been centuries. So this is this is um seventh century, right? Yeah, seventh century, six hundreds. And um, it's either six or either seventh or sixth century. It could be late five hundreds. Anyway, neither here nor there. Um yeah, so, so so you have centuries going by and they haven't done the Passover, right? So so you see in the narrative, listen, this is what he does in the narrative. Like he reigned for decades, right? Josiah reigns for decades, but he 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 spends time. Think about it He's, he, he condenses decades for into a few chapters <laughs> into two chapters so he spends the most time in the narrative this is narrative time and historical time narrative time in terms of the narrative he talks about the passover why because they hadn't done it in so long so they needed details this post-exile community needed and it was and it was they were in exile for, for years so the the original here's they 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 needed details on what this even looked like right and so he, he he spends a ton of time talking about the Passover and how they adhered to it and how this was actually a mark of faithfulness for this generation and it would be a mark of faithfulness for theirs as well, right? So he is clear that he wants the people of God to act in line with um the those who were faithful before the exile, right? And Josiah is that dude because. Yo, he putting the money out of his own pocket. He he funding that bad boy. Right. He, he he generous with it. He giving all his stuff for for the Passover. And this is how much he cared about the reform and restoration of God's people. Right. That Josiah was willing to put his money basically where his mouth was. And again, the chronicler wanted to remind the people uh, um, the way the feast was supposed to go. Right. They hadn't done this in centuries. Right. And so this same fidelity to the feast that was seen in Josiah's day was supposed to be the same fidelity that was seen in exercised in there's remember i talked about last episode how important it is for our own spiritual formation and and for god to make us a kind of people um uh our, our rituals our specific rituals that he gives us as his people chapter 36 last chapter is all finally with um the the deportation to, ex, to uh, babylon in exile and um we're, we're we're introduced to my man zedekiah zedekiah is the last king you can read about him in um Jeremiah. Jeremiah spends a lot of time talking about him. The last days of Judah and Nebuchadnezzar disrespectfully <laughs> comes, attacks the people of God and takes the articles out of the temple. Right. Um, and, you know, after uh, that, he after Johoiachin gets gets taken as exile, we see the same thing happening with Joheiachin and then you know, Zedekiah. Um, but I love what it what the text says in 15, 36, 15, it says, "Um, but the Lord, the God of their ancestors, hear this, sent word against them by the hand of his messengers sending them time and time again for he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place so in other words before the lord's wrath came before judgment came god warned them god warned them and i want to say today listen god is compassionate fam like god is he's he's infinitely compassionate like we we will never be able to exhaust the depths of how compassionate god is he Warned them over and over and over and over again, and the text is is going to say that um their hearts were hard though, <laughs> like like he'll use the 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 Pharaoh term right. He will say they were basically like Egyptians. They 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 were they had been redeemed from Egypt, but they was acting like Egyptians. They were their hearts were hard, and God was like, no no no, I'm trying to tell you repent 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 repent, and God will relent, and so, but they don't. Their hearts were hard, and so the Chaldeans. The, the Babylon or the Babylonians another name for the Babylonians destroyed the first temple and they did all of that work for centuries to build it and now it was destroyed and you know Judah, the royal tribe of David was was taken away from the city of Jerusalem. The city of peace had become a place of destruction what was supposed to be God's holy city was now defiled. It's amazing too because um yeah, at the end this text is going to end off with a cliffhanger, right? The the chronicler is writing to this post exile community that has already come back into the land. So they hear the whole history and then they see the decree of Cyrus, how, how King Cyrus of Persia. So, um, Syria is the leading power of the day. They get conquered by Babylon and then Babylon gets conquered by Persia. And so the people of God are in Persia. And then the Persian King, King Cyrus says they actually can come back to the land, right? We're going to see it as Nehemiah. Um, and so after Cyrus's decree, They let them go back and they let them rebuild the temple but it's really hard to see in english um but at the end it's just like cliffhanger right and if uh the last verse of the the hebrew bible so this is actually the last book in the the hebrew ordering of of the scriptures right they 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 go uh law uh prophets and writings and this is the last of the writings right and um so it ends off with chronicles and then starts new testament starts with matthew right so the, the last um verse though it actually ends off with this cliff cliffhanger. It literally says and let them go up. In most English translations, you, you have kind of a neat sentence here, but it literally says and let them go up dot 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 literally. And so what's interesting is that um, it's been said that the Old Testament is a story in search of a conclusion. Right. It, it needs someone to come off and finish the sentence, someone to come off and finish the story. We need someone to come and do that. And we need ultimately a good and perfect king to do that. None of them of all the good kings that that we see, uh, even in the midst of the terrible kings, even from David and Solomon, um, even, you know, Hezekiah and Josiah and Jehoshaphat at times. um, None of them could bring the end time uh, final kingdom of God that the people of God were longing for and needed. But King Jesus does. King Jesus does This 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 child that's born in Bethlehem of Judea. Uh, comes and he lives he grows up and he lives this perfect life and he dies on a cross and he resurrects from the grave um as a great king would and he saves his people from the enemies ultimately sin and he acts as this great high priest who will allow us to worship him in this eternal temple which will be the new creation this is uh the the completer he is the one who completes the story that first and second chronicles starts let's pray father we ask for your grace, um, we ask that we would be mindful of the ways you're working in history and the way that Jesus completes this story, the story of history and all of our stories God we pray that we would give our utmost devotion to King Jesus today because he is greater than any king that uh, society has ever brought us and no king ever will come that exceeds his glory and greatness. Praise only your son name.